fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. And what's up? Welcome into it. It is a Friday, making it to the end of the week, my friends. Pat yourself on the back. You did it. You saw another week behind you in the rearview mirror. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream or for freedom. I'm not sure which one. Maybe there's a freedom-flavored ice cream. That's what I'm all for, baby. Let's do it for a Friday broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation. I, don't, I would ask I would ask Joe Biden what that freedom-flavored ice cream was since he likes his ice cream so much, but I'm sure that that's not the flavor he chooses. Great to have you for a Friday today. It's the voice reason I'm Andy Hoosier. we got a lot to talk about today. Bottom of this hour, Dr. Wayne Weingarten. He's with the Pacific Research Institute. We've had him on the program before. The latest report has come out for the Free Cities Index. Where people are moving across the nation, red states versus blue states, are we seeing people vacate out of blue states still like New York and California? I mean, we're busing more people into blue states because they're open and welcoming to them and lovey-dovey and holding hands singing kumbaya, but other people are leaving, the ones that are actually like paying taxes and stuff. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. We have... Uh, Some immigration news. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our favorite person on this program. We'll get with her in a little bit because she has some new evidence, some truth to speak as she's laying on her couch or something at home doing a live feed on the video streams, whatever social media platform she was using, and just said that uh, the building of the Southern Wall that the Biden administration has announced will not do us any good in any way, shape, or form. And she Oddly brings up some interesting and actually rational reason, but of course in a very weird and twisted way. So we'll get to that all in just a minute. But who? what do I know, man? I just need to be reprogrammed, right? I mean, Hillary Clinton said that us as the MAGA, the conservatives, the extreme radical right-wing nuts, we just need to be reprogrammed in this nation. Very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how- wow, something needs to be done to the cult members of the, I love the terms that they use. Remember the conservatives that have voted out Kevin McCarthy and now the quote unquote hardline Republicans for the budget willing to shut down the government. These are the extreme MAGA Republicans, the extreme right. Uh, Joe Biden's essentially called us the domestic terrorists. I love all the nice, fun, lovey-dovey, you know, collective unifying names that they call the Republicans because outside of that, that, that didn't make any sense to me. And no slave-wagging, bushwhacking, horn-swoggling, crocker-crocker is going to roll away. That pretty much, that's what I'm saying. Let's get into our what's trending today. What do you say? What's trending today? As we break down that on what we can do to get rid of some of the shenanigans, because have we given away too much power to the government or to politicians? Because 
obviously we're just too radical for them and that they don't represent us any longer. To have, excited to have on the program, he is the regional coordinator for Tactical Civics. Excited to have on here Jeff Calhoun with us. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and uh Appreciate you having me on your show, Andy. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. I mean, did that make sense? We're just the radical, hardline Republicans. We are the extremist MAGA conservatives. We are the domestic terrorists, essentially. We, it's, I, With that kind of talk coming from the federal government, I don't know how much we actually are represented up there. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, it, when you watch the political theater that's been happening for the past you know, week with McCarthy, um, I'm I'm trying to remind people that the problem we have two problems in America. Number one is that the people's house is not the people's house anymore, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been for a long time. But we've been programmed and conditioned to think that uh, all political solutions happen from a top-down structure, and and that the that the founding fathers created a system that was designed for every political process to happen within the operations of government itself. And the people were supposed to be kind of moved off stage as far as possible. That's, that's what, when we hear about, you know, checks and balances and separation of powers and all that, that's what most people have in mind is that it's a system that operates on its own. It's self-correcting. And our only involvement is every four years uh, when we go to the voting booth. Yeah, And that's just not it. And I tell you, Hillary Clinton has one thing right. Uh, we do need deprogramming in America, but, but she's got it backwards because there are two groups that need to be programmed, deprogrammed. Number one is the ruling elite, uh, like the Uniparty that Hillary Clinton is a part of, who think that they are entitled to rule and we're their subjects. So they need deprogramming. And then the American people need deprogramming because – we or 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 woken up because we need to remember in our system of government called popular constitutionalism that we the people are at the top but we've forgotten it like we literally have forgotten that we are the superintendents of government and we actually have authority we've just lost the ability or the knowledge of how we use it how we apply it and how we hold our elected servants and check and call them to heal when they step outside the bounds. But we've let them do it for generations. That is true. How did we lose that power and why did we? Because if you go through middle school, high school uh, history class, you learn about, obviously, the founding of this nation, of uh, going against the United Kingdom, going against Great Britain, uh, writing the Declaration of Independence and our grievances that we wanted and the fact that uh, the government's not supposed to do X, Y, and Z, that we're supposed to be of the people, by the people, and for the people, and it shall not perish from the earth. And then uh, we go from that to a civil war where we fought because of the grievances that the king and that the government tried to impose on us. And we learn about all, all this growing up. And then all of a sudden we turn around and we start voting Democrat. We're like, well, Democrats in the centralization of power and we need a new social program and we need the government to, quote unquote, do something when something bad in society happens. That all of a sudden we forget that, hey, we just fought because of the overbearing uh, control of the government. And then all of a sudden we turn around and start voting to do the exact same thing. Like, where's the disconnect here? Well, you know, the Constitution stipulates that that we, the people, first of all, 
are at the top, and that makes it clear in the first three words of the Constitution, we the people, in order to establish, and then we list some things that we want to establish, and then we close that with do ordain. And so by our collective will, as sovereigns of the independent states, we came together and we wrote a constitution, and by that constitution, we created three branches of government. So they're our creatures or our children. We created them, and we created them for specific purposes. And what we've forgotten and really have barely ever even lived into is that it has always been our job, our responsibility, and our authority to enforce the Constitution, because we have to remember, we didn't write the Constitution to govern us. We wrote the Constitution to govern our creatures of government, to give them specific duties. And what we've done is we've abdicated that responsibility, and foolishly, we've expected or hoped or wished or, I don't know, uh, that they would police themselves. Yeah. And so it's a fundamental principle and, and really bedrock principle of our Republican form of government, our system of popular constitutionalism, that it's up to the people themselves to rein in government when they step outside their bounds. And we just haven't done that. And, and we've lost our grasp and our hold on the institutions that, that, uh, pre-existed our Constitution, pre-existed our Republic, that had several hundred years of history uh, before we ever wrote a Constitution and became uh, an independent Republic, uh, that the people have always had. We've had two institutions that we've always been able to use to call elected servants to account, and that's been the citizen grand jury and the citizen militia. Mm. And our central government has very meticulously and intentionally and strategically wrested those two institutions out of the people's hands. They've virtually destroyed one in the militia, and the other they corrupted and co-opted in the court system and, and made grand jury uh, an apparatus of the court. But that's not what grand jury is. And so tactical civics, what we're doing, Andy, is uh, we're building county chapters. And we're educating people in every county in America, and we're in almost a third of the counties in America right now. Wow. And we're educating people about what their constitutional duty and authority is as a member of the collective sovereign in this republic, and how our authority as the collective sovereign can be administered and executed through the institution of grand jury because it still belongs to the people. There's a great uh, Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Williams, 1992, where Antonin Scalia says some pretty remarkable and, and, and powerful things about the history and tradition of grand jury and its constitutional function. And he described it as almost a fourth branch of government that exclusively belongs to the people. And we have to restore that institution back into the hands of we the people, independent of the court, independent of any apparatus of government, and the people's tool to hold government accountable through indictments and presentments. 
and when they break our highest law, when they usurp our highest law, that is where we call them to account and we hold them to answer for infamous crimes, of which usurping our Constitution is one. Yeah. And so um, so that's what we're doing, county at a time. Well, I love it. And I love it because it's giving the tools back to the people. It's giving some opportunity back to the people because no one is talking about this opportunity. In fact, a lot of people may not even know about these types of opportunities. They always ask of what can we do? And it seems like we're almost out of control now, doesn't it? I mean, even if we hold a politician accountable by voting them out of office, we have the new norm. I'm going to use that for the air quotes here. The new norm of a fourth branch of government that's not the citizens grand jury. That's not our side of the people holding government accountable, but it's the executive branches, agencies and departments and, you know, alphabet soup, different types of uh, organizations that are running things that even if we vote out a politician, they're still running things behind the scenes and the direction continues on the same path without any course correction because there is no transparency from those agencies, is there? Yeah, well, Andy, you know, you're you're hitting the nail right on the head at at what really is at the root of of people's uh, frustration, their anger, and the sense of hopelessness because you know, everyone's aren't right. I mean, we know, we know, even those who won't admit it intuitively know that things are not right with how our system of government is currently operating. Yeah. And the I, reason, and you, I tell you what, described Jeff, it. I tell you what, hold on, that, hold that thought. We got to take a hard break here. I wanted to continue that conversation on what we can do to solve that because I think that's one of the biggest issues we have in today is that unaccountable, untransparent fourth branch of government that we have to address. It's Jeff Calhoun with tactical civics last more coming up here on the voice of reason stay here is the voice of reason with andy hoosier fighting for freedom every day this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier most people the vast majority of Americans are hoping that their government just takes care of their problem. <laughs> and they don't have to think about it in detail at the kitchen table or at the dinner table. Oh, I, I was not aware of that. I didn't realize the government just wanted to, you know, take care of us. We just want you to take care of us. We don't want to think about these pesky issues any longer. Good golly, Jeff Calhoun, Tactical Civics. You can find them online. TacticalCivics.com is the website. If you want to learn about ways to begin to wake up not be woke but be awakened of what the heck's going on in society because that is a mindset that a very large portion of society has they believe that we just want government to take care of things we just want to live complacency we just want to have fun we just want to have a good time and we just should just yield ourselves to the federal government how could i be the president of the united states of america and not speak out against the violation of human rights i told him that unlike other countries including russia we're uniquely a product of an idea. You've heard me say this before again and again, but I'm going to keep saying it. What's that idea? We don't derive our rights from the government. We possess them because we're born, period. And we yield them to a government. Oh, my. I wasn't aware of that either. Jeff, uh, did you know that? We just we just want to live complacent. We just want the government to take care of our issues. And while we have natural-born, God-given rights, we just yield them to the government so they can take care of us. <laughs> oh, God, that is just... <laughs> wow. I mean, it blows my mind when people actually we, try to defend some of that. 
I know. Well, you know, that, uh, that that's just one more example of how twisted uh, the thinking has become about who we are and, uh, and, and what our system of government is. And, you know, Madison put it clearly, said, uh, you know, the powers, the duties, uh, responsibilities of government are very few and very limited. Uh, but the power that belongs to the people is virtually unlimited. And that's, you know, that was a, uh, a principle that was repeated over and over and over again by the founders. It appears in virtually every single state constitution, and that is that all power being originally inherent in and consequently derived from the people, the people at all times have the right to alter, abolish, or reform government when government ceases to do the duties that the people gave them to do. And so um, we didn't yield our power. We delegated certain responsibilities and duties to the government, and we retained our power to be able to say, hey, you're not doing that, and so uh, we're going to call you to heal. And that's the, the misconception that so many of us have, is that our only recourse is voting them out of office. But voting them out of office only makes sense if they are making insane applications of actual delegated responsibility. But what do we do when they actually do things we have not authorized them to do, which they do every day? Yeah. Well, we have to enforce the Constitution and, and <laughs> indict them for their crimes. And we, the people, are the only ones who can do that. And that's the problem, is the lack of enforcement. And that's the one we're trying to fix, and uh, that our solution and plan uh, does fix, and it does it at the county level. And the second thing, Andy, is that we don't have representation anymore. We've got one representative for every 750,000 people on average in America, mm. but the founders guaranteed small representative districts. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I mean, we've expanded so much that we can't keep the number that we have right now because you're right. We don't have representation. I mean, uh, we have a better representation at a state level when we can go up and knock on the door of our state rep and they represent, you know, here in Kansas where I'm at with our flagship station. You know, we got a few thousand people that, you, you know, that they talk to. So it's very easy to hold them accountable. Not right. so much at the federal level. Jeff, I, I love it. I could talk to you about this stuff for hours. we got to get you back on the program. TacticalCivics.com is the website. We appreciate it very much, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. Absolutely, Andy. Thank you. Hey. Thank you for what you're doing. Hey, you as well. Keep Absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. We'll get you back on here soon. Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program. Oh, how it flies right on by. Fastest hour of radio on, well, radio. Multiple stations all over the place, plus TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you check out the show. We love you to death and happy Friday to you. Making it to the end of the week. Can I do this, please? I really want to do this. This is driving me nuts. I need I need to. We we haven't done it in a while. We have not had fun with our low-hanging fruit. Very easy, very fun person to pick on because, well, they just I try to avoid the the easy conversation, but we have to. Please just 
I am told this is a garbage disposal. Yeah, that person. Yeah, she's back in the, I guess, media-ish after doing a live video stream, which looked like she was, like, sprawling out on her couch or something chatting with people. Don't know how, like, even if you're going to, I get it, trying to be relatable to the constituency, but there's a level. Like, John Fetterman, put on a damn suit, for example. That would just be one example of trying to be a little more professional as an elected official running the country. But she was on a video stream talking about Joe Biden's new border wall that he's starting to build. I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's a broken promise. But additionally, let's say you completely disagree on this. You could build a great big Trumpy wall on the entire U.S. southern border and it's still not going to fix this problem. Mm. And I'll tell you why. The U.S., and U.S. foreign policy is contributing to the displacement of millions of people in South America to begin with. And if we do not address the migrant crisis at its root, it is still going to continue to be a problem. And if you have the displacement of millions of people, it is going to continue to destabilize the entire region. That's quite interesting. Now, I don't know what that policy is that uh, she's talking about, unless it's like, oh, I don't know, encouraging migrants to come up because you get all these free goodies, or if you're encourages, encouraging and continuously letting cartels that run those areas to continue to flood up in here and have power and control, which, by the way, are both Democrat policies. So if you're talking about those policies, I would agree with you. But outside of that, I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Because, well... You're just an interesting individual nonetheless. Let's get into what's trending, shall we? What's trending today? And speaking of people migrating from one place to another, the big question is here domestically on the home front, where are people moving from blue states and red states, from high tax to low tax, to freedom to control? Where are people wanting to live across the nation? Because we're seeing some vast migration right now. The nomads, apparently, of certain individuals across the country. Where are we going? Happy to have on the program from the Pacific Research Institute. It's great to have him back on with the latest Free Cities Index and where people are moving all around the nation. Dr. Wayne Weingarten on the line with us here. Wayne, how are you, my friend? I'm doing real well. How about yourself? Yeah, we are living the dream. Always uh, love having you on the program. Uh, this uh, migration from Central America up to the U.S. apparently is our fault, and it's uh, apparently uh, somewhat relatable, I think, to Democrat policies and red states versus blue states right now, too, isn't it? Well, <laughs> what you have, I mean, there's, a, I guess, a basic fundamental theorem, right? If you pay people not to work, right, people aren't going to work. In the same sense, if you penalize people for working, well, you know, they're, they're going to leave. And that's one of the things we wanted to look into is when you start looking at the migration trends, you know, here in California, you see people, they're leaving San Francisco, they're leaving Los Angeles. And so we wanted to get an idea, well, is there commonality in terms of where people are going to? And exactly what you've been saying, people are leaving high-tax, high-regulated states, and they're going to the states that are lower tax, that have more economic opportunity, that run the government better so they have better services, less homelessness issues. So basically, people with their feet, they're voting with their feet to choose pro-growth policies. Yeah. Now, when we heard the interview between uh, Gavin Newsom and Sean Hannity, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, had said that that was not true and that those cities are thriving, that people are loving living in those cities. But the data doesn't quite show that, does it? Well, I mean, I guess there's two things. I mean, California has a lot of wonderful things about it. Yeah. But the bottom line is 
for I get a decade now, people who were born in California, what, what the sense is called net domestic migration, not taking account births and deaths and things, but where people are choosing, people have been choosing to leave California for over a decade. And that's because no matter how fantastic California is, how great the weather is, when, when it's too unaffordable to live, when taxes are too high, when regulations make it too difficult to start a business or build a home or, or refurnish your home, it, you, you give up and you go to places where it's just easier. Uh, and, and that's what we did, the Free Cities Index. That's what we wanted to see. Well, we're looking at all these migration trends, you know, and you hear the, the governor of California talking about how it's not policy-driven. We, we wanted to check him on that, and it just the data shows that he's wrong. If people are going to states that have greater affordability and leaving states that are less affordable, you know, you got to. It, it seems quite obvious that it's the affordability and the taxes that are driving the migration trend. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what is the from what you see in these studies that you've done? What is the number one priority for people leaving or moving to a certain area? Is it taxes? Is it maybe some of the politics and the policy, or is it some of the crime rates that we're seeing in major cities right now as well, or a collective of all three of these? I, I think it's a collective. You know, I, I think what happens is, you know, I, I can deal with the lack of affordability. I'll deal with the high taxes. But when the homelessness issue gets out of control, that's what pushes over the edge. Or, you know, if, if you lose a job, you know, the opportunities are elsewhere, and that pushes you out. So it, it definitely is a combination. But for I, I think an important caveat is that about businesses, because we've also seen a business migration um, away from California, away from New York. And that is much more fundamental. Uh, that is much more about the taxes, about the affordability, about the rent. So that is much more economic driven. You know, we've, we've been talking about families, but businesses are migrating, too. Uh, and that is clearly on policy, uh, a policy basis. Yeah. Where are do you think businesses going? We've heard, I mean, obviously the big news was Tesla a couple of years ago going from California to Texas. Uh, we've had, I mean, I live in Kansas, so we focus a lot on farming and agriculture. A lot of the dairy industry left California, moving to here in the Mid-America region for Kansas. But uh, where do you think a lot of these industries are going right now? I, I, you just hit the nail on the head. It depends on what the industry is. So I was just in San Jose today, right, Silicon Valley. That has moved to Austin to a large extent. And so, you know, 10, 20 years ago, Austin wasn't a tech hub. Now, thanks to California, Austin is a tech hub. Like you said, dairy and agriculture, that's going towards the, uh, the heartland. You see, uh, because we won't drill for oil here, you're seeing less oil and gas extraction in California, but North Dakota is filling in that gap. So it, it, it's very industry-driven, but again, commonality is, States that actually want that economic activity, that incentivize that economic activity, they're the ones that get it. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the state of New York, for example, in New York City, because obviously they've been in the news with the immigration issue where they were open policies, open borders. We love we got to bring people into the country. We start getting migrants going to the city. And now they're about we need to lock it down. We don't have enough money and resources to take care of these individuals. Is the migrant issue, do you think, right now causing a lot of uh, uh, concern about not only homelessness, but crime and just who's coming into the community for people to want to leave those areas as well, do you think? I'm not sure it's a crime issue when you're talking about migrants. I think the bigger issue, though, is is the cost of it. You can't you can't have an open border and and a, a generous welfare state because you bankrupt if it's the city, the state, the country, whatever the case may be. You, both of those can't coexist. 
And so it's easy to say, oh, you know, we have a, uh, an open, a, a generous welfare state when you don't have the migrants coming. And it, so what really is happening is that overly generous program that New York City has, that New York State has, is crashing into reality that you can't, it, it's just not fiscally possible to have those generous benefits and allow that type of migration to come in. And what you're actually seeing, because the infrastructure is not there, the hotel rooms that go for three, $400 a night, the city or the state is paying to the, the hotel chains three, $400 a night to house the migrants because there's nowhere else to go. Again, just patently unsustainable and unaffordable for the city. And the city has enough problems on its own trying to deal with the subway, trying to deal with, you know, just just managing a very difficult city to manage. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, here's the big question. With the continued migration and the shifting of the populace moving from high-tax st- high states, high-regulated states to uh, the more freedom and economic-centered uh, states like that, at some point the social experiment's got to adjust and the pendulum has to swing, doesn't it? I mean, if so many people continue to move out of California, continue to move out of New York, at some point the tax base is going to be so low the state or the cities themselves are going to have to try to do something to incentivize people to either maintain or to stay there, aren't they? I mean, they're going to have to start changing policies if it gets too bad. But what what well, is that I'm point? Opti- I'm optimistic for exactly that point. I mean, remember, Prop 13 in California in 1978 was the precursor to the Reagan Revolution. So the Reagan Revolution and the tax cuts at the national level actually started in California. I mean, New York City in the 70s was, was bankrupt, uh, and then they became the safest city in the in the country, and they became uh, a powerhouse, and you know, economically thrived. I am optimistic. I think, for some reason, it's perhaps psychology. We need to hit rock bottom before we actually fix an issue, whether it's a personal or whether it's political. But I am optimistic that we will implement the right policies, and 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 the growth will resume in New York and California, uh, and it, it also happened in Kansas and Ohio. So. I, I, I don't think you bet against the U.S. Yeah, well, uh, we are eventually smart people. Sometimes we like to go down the road of harming ourselves throughout the process. But like you said, the pendulum swings. We wake up and we have to course correct at some point. And God bless the free market and the laissez-faire capitalist society for allowing that to happen so we can actually get back on track. Go check them out, pacificresearch.org is the Pacific Research Institute, Dr. Wayne Weingarten. Wayne, we're out of time, my friend. I appreciate it very much. Great insight, great information. We'd love to get you back on again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You as well, my friend. Have a great weekend. Appreciate that. Good information. There it is. What's driving the changes in society from people moving from one place to another? Interesting conversation. One more segment right around the corner to come back here for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. So we have the deprogramming of America happening right before our eyes, and apparently Hillary Clinton's the one wanting to do it. It it makes you wonder why she's back in the media, right? Hillary Clinton, she just kind of ducks and she peeks up for a little bit, goes back down, peeks up a little bit, goes back down. Her approval ratings are like that as well but on the opposite spectrum. It's kind of like a wavelength. You ever see the wavelengths of like radio waves where they like cross each other and they're like the waves up and down, but they counteract each other. They're opposites. And it's just like Kamala Harris. Whenever they speak, 
and they try to peak up again, the popularity goes down. When they disappear forever and we don't know where they're at, then the popularity goes back up because, well, hey, we've never heard from that person in a while. Oh, that's been kind of nice. Yeah, that's great. I love not being able to hear from that individual. And now it makes sense why is she's a maybe looking for another presidential run with no clear front runner for the Democrat Party and Joe Biden that is going to be partaking in the operation Joe Biden tripped down the stairs while trying to tie his shoe relatively soon. Very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tale of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has Mm -hmm. no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members but something needs to happen and how do you the deprogramming of the cult members yeah uh i i will have to say there is one thing i'm very upset about from donald trump and that is one promise that he made that has not been fulfilled and that was the fact that hillary clinton is not in jail because can you imagine if she were in jail right now she wouldn't be able to say these types of things the radical the self-centeredness of donald trump the evil narcissist that just wants the political power again while he's being completely beat up from the left side constantly every day of his life, continues to run for public office. I find that quite fascinating. Honestly, that's an interesting, scary, ridiculous comment that she made. But what she says after that, when the host of CNN, by the way, that's where the audio clip was from, from CNN, when they asked her, how do we do that? How do we deprogram the Republicans? What do we do here? Her response, I think, is even more weird than what that comment was. At this point, I think, sadly, he will still likely be the nominee, and we have to defeat him. And we have to defeat those who are the election deniers, as we did in 2020 and 2022. Um, And we have to, you know, just be smarter about how we are trying to uh, empower the right people inside the Republican Party. Wow. All right. Two points to take away from that one. Number one, she's the one that's going to go after election denying when we literally had two uh, impeachments from Donald Trump saying that he colluded with Russia because he the Russians ended up influencing our elections and rigging our elections against Hillary Clinton and for Donald Trump. When we found out that was completely false based on the Durham uh, reports that came out and the fact that the FBI knew that they were completely fabricated, that were handed over to the FBI from the Clinton Foundation and from the Clinton campaign, not from other types of um, nonpartisan organizations that were concerned about election fraud or anything like that. So the one that literally created two impeachments from a sitting president because she was so angry of losing an election because she was supposed to just walk on in and this outsider came in and stole her thunder, she's going to be trying to tell us that we need to be silenced for being quote-unquote election deniers. Number two, I find it, did you catch that at the end? Did you catch that at the very end of the, the comment of how they, we need to choose the right Republican leadership? Um, and we have to, you know, just be smarter about how we are trying to uh, empower the right people inside the Republican Party. Who's empowering the Republican Party, I ask you? Because that question kind of led into a statement about Kevin McCarthy and Speaker of the House. She went to say that 
Kevin McCarthy has the same Republican majority, slim majority, as what Nancy Pelosi had had in the past, and that Nancy Pelosi was able to get things done. So we apparently have not empowered the proper Republicans within the party. And are the Democrats doing that? Are the elites doing that? Are the deep state doing that? The things that make you go, hmm, when she's concerned about how they're empowering the leaders within the Republican Party and how it got out of hand, allowing Donald Trump to be that face of the party. Something to chew on and ponder as we go into the weekend. Until then, be your own catalyst for change. Be your own voice of reason. We're back at it again on Monday. Our syndicated program over the weekend. Don't miss that one as well all over the country. And on the website at whosyourreason.com. Let's get ready for a fun one next week. Who will be the Speaker of the House? Time will tell. We're only days away from figuring that one out. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy the cooler weather. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.